Welcome to the SciDef Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Evans, and this is my co-host, Michael Fairweather. We're here to provide you with the cybersecurity news that matters to help you in the cyber realm. We are proud members of the Pod Bros Podcast Network. Check them out at podbros.com. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 18. It's just Michael and myself this week. Unfortunately, we don't have any special guests. And don't worry, we're not going to be surprising you halfway through the episode with a guest. <laughs> no, uh, no Paul this week. We were supposed to have Tara Wheeler Von Vleck on this episode. However, she was unable to attend this week's episode due to scheduling conflicts on our part. We would love to have her on in a future episode, however. And uh, hopefully she forgives us for all of our crazy schedule conflicts. <laughs> what do you got for us this week, Michael? Oh, well, this week I'm going to be talking about Novell Malware dupes victims with fake blue screen of death. And advertisers can now pay to sneak past your ad blocker. This week I have unpatched WinRAR has a vulnerability in it. Which is pretty serious because there's over 500 million installations worldwide. And why security companies are renting cyber talent to keep up with demand. We're going to get into our first story here about the fake blue screen of death. Take it away, Michael. This is a really interesting story. New malware creators have been hijacking Microsoft Windows, the infamous you know, blue screen of death that we've all seen if we have a Microsoft box or a Microsoft operating system. And they're actually using it in a malvertising campaign. This new campaign uses the blue screen of death to scam users into handing over their money and potentially their identity. We've all seen whenever we Google search something, you've got the ads that are placed in the very top. So let's say you look for, uh, you know, type in cybersecurity. And when Google pulls it up, they've got a couple spots where the ads are. And then directly below that, it will be, you know, article links to cybersecurity. What these cyber attackers are doing is they're actually creating web pages that are linking into the ad spaces. So when you click on them, they're getting these blue screen of death uh, warnings. Not all the time is it links that are taking individuals um, to these sites. Sometimes it's pop-up ads that appear as these as well. I experienced one of these pop-up ads actually myself today. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just the links, but that was kind of how they were getting into it. Basically what's going on is, is a lot of companies, they're buying ad space. And that can be in any form. We we talked about it a few weeks ago, how companies were purchasing through the third-party sites, creating ads that had contained malware. It's essentially what's happening here. The difference is, is that you're seeing that infamous blue screen of death pop up or splash screen. The sad thing about this advertising campaign is the blue screens of death that they pop up aren't even done well. It's it's really sad. The font is different. The the color blue isn't the right shade. The the text is a lot bigger than the actual blue screen death. And then the amount of information on the on the screen when they have this blue screen death pop up isn't actually even the right amount of information. It's substantially smaller amounts of information. And I don't understand how 
you know, they, they aren't able to mimic it exactly when you can just Google blue screen of death and be able to replicate the page. That's true. I just remember seeing a bunch of hex anytime the blue screen of death would uh, pop up, just tons of it. And now yeah, looking at this picture, you've got uh, please contact Microsoft technicians. Do not restart your computer. Windows health is critical. Do not restart. Please contact Microsoft technicians at the toll free number. They list a number. I feel really bad for the people who fall for this. It's a really good phishing campaign for people who don't understand how computers work. But a blue screen of death in your browser, the people who fall for this campaign really need to ed educate themselves better. Because my f my first red flag for this would be it's a blue screen of death in my web browser. Which is not possible. Yeah. You know, um, every time you see the blue screen of death... It's your main operating system that locks up on you. So I, I feel really bad for the individuals who fall for this. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, there are going to be people who do that. I'm guessing it's people that have not had that much experience with the kind of technology that's out there, which is sad. I, I hate that. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that people that didn't grow up with the technology like you and I have at our fingertips, you know, since a very young age. I remember our first computer and when I was like eight years old. So growing up with a computer in the house and now obviously having, you know, smartphones and all of that might not be that tech savvy. So I'm, I'm guessing that those are probably more of the ideal target for these cyber attackers, um, which is very unfortunate because, I mean, one, you shouldn't take advantage of anybody like that, but you definitely shouldn't be taking advantage of older people like that. But yeah, it is, you know, the the... <laughs> From this story, it's you know it's it's talking about how they're doing it, and it is it's it's popping up, it's flashing in your browser. You will never see that if it's an actual blue screen of death. There's a there's an image here that actually talks about it. You know, it's got the whole, it's got the whole information. You know, the toll free helpline. Don't don't reboot. And then it says, you know, do not shut down or reboot your computer. That may lead to a data loss and failure of operating system. And it actually goes through and repeats that a couple times. It's it's a very poor attempt. Some of these blue screen of death attempts also have audio that yell at you um, when they pop up. The one I actually experienced had a voice telling me to call the, the toll free number, <laughs> which is which was really terrible because I was currently listening to some music at um, high levels. And all of a sudden I had a extremely loud voice screaming in my ear. So you weren't listening to death metal then? No. Uh, come on. I, I do web pen testing. I listen to dubstep. <laughs> all, all hackers listen to dubstep <laughs> or techno. Don't you know that? I didn't get that memo. Yeah. And we all use green text on black screens. <laughs> so helpful hint. If you do pen testing and you're not listening to dubstep, you need to change and green text on black background. Wear your gunars. And your gunars with your over-the-ear headphones. <laughs> so basically with this, you know, once users are instructed to call the, the toll-free helpline uh, to resolve this, this issue, this blue screen of death issue, um, the scammers are on the other end waiting. They're pretending to be Windows support and offer their victims expensive and non-existent support packages thus defrauding users from anything when anywhere from 190 
$9 to $599. That's what they're charging to fix your computer. Beyond that, if you're giving them your information, you know, your credit card, debit card, bank account information, whatever, you then run into not only identity theft, but them draining your funds. You know, with this particular campaign that's going on with this, there have been at least two domains that have been found that are registered to redirect users to these cyber attackers. Once it was actually reported to Google and the advertisers, um, they were immediately pulled, but this is just one of thousands of similar campaigns. So definitely be aware of what you're seeing when you're online. Yeah, it's very important that you understand what different phishing techniques look like. And it's very important to understand what your environment looks like and what a normal error like this would look like on a day-to-day -day basis. Because if you don't understand what your system looks like on a normal baseline and then what your system looks like, when something abnormal happens, it, it could lead users into falling for these kind of tricks. And this malvertising campaign is pretty vicious when it comes to people who aren't really knowledgeable. Yeah. We're going to take a small break here to talk to you about something. Cybersecurity training has traditionally been really expensive and therefore too hard to come by for many people. The result of super high price training is a skill gap that has left the industry with over 1 million unfilled jobs, which is crazy. But Cyberary is working to change that. The cybersecurity training revolution has begun. Get free training courses and find jobs in the field at cyberary.it. Employers looking for cybersecurity talent can also post jobs there. So again, free cybersecurity training and jobs at Cyberary. Um, speaking of malvertising and advertising in general, did you hear that? Well, of course you heard because you're the one who brought me the story. But our listeners out there, did you know that advertisers can now pay to sneak uh, by Adblock? What's the point of buying those services if uh, they can pay their way in? Yeah, that makes an excellent point. This this was a very interesting story to make, especially with what we've talked about over the last you know several episodes with ad blocking. You know, like I said before, we talked about how using ad blockers can actually save you from getting involved in such attacks like like what we just talked about. Or like the attacks uh, on Yahoo, very yeah. reputable sites. Absolutely. You're... Well, I don't know about very reputable, but, you know, New York Times and things like that. <laughs> Forbes, I believe Forbes was hit by this as well. Yeah, there were actually, there were quite a few, you know, when we suggest doing stuff like this for our users, um, you know, using stuff like Adblock, but at the same time on sites that you trust and frequent, there's settings on the Adblock. So the non-intrusive ads can actually come through. And, and, and in, my, in my opinion, that's a good thing. Like ads are not a bad thing, but the ads that completely fill your screen and take up the entire, you know, whatever you're looking at and are loud and obnoxious, that stuff needs to go. And by turning on, you know, the settings in Adblock to allow ads that aren't like that, that aren't intrusive, that don't take up the whole screen, that's a great idea. I, I totally agree with you there. And um, another good aspect about the, the Adblock is a lot of times, a lot of these websites have um, ads that are constantly refreshing and reloading to new ads. They have sort of a, um, a running rotation of ads. So one ad will sit there for a period of time and then the page, um, the ads themselves will refresh and you'll see a, a different advertiser pop up. And then it'll continue for the entire time that you're browsing the site. A lot of times, if you view your processes, you'll see that this process of 
constantly refreshing these ads start eating up a lot of your memory. And the, the ad block software is really good for helping users with devices that may not have that much memory or, you know, or, or really strong processing power. You know, it, it helps keep your device from getting bogged down a lot. Right, which brings us to the um, the article we're talking about here. You know, advertisers can now pay to sneak, sneak by your ad blocker. This is kind of tailored more towards iOS in the sense that with iOS 9, Apple made it available to be able to, to ad block on the native Safari. You know, there were other browsers out there that will, would allow this, but with that, they were able to, they, they actually opened it up to be able to use you know, apps to be able to ad block with Safari. And one of those apps was Crystal. You know, it's it's actually one of the most popular ad blockers out there. Um, they charge, you know, 99 cents to be able to, to download it, buy it, use it. And it was blocking ads on web pages viewed in the native mobile Safari browser. However, they are now changing what they're doing. Um, instead of doing, you know, blocking all ads, they're now actually accepting payments from advertisers to let their ads slip through and appear on user screens. What? Yeah. That's, that's very fishy. My, my question about this is right now they're allowing legitimate, I, I used finger quotes there uh, for all of our listeners. <laughs> um, they're allowing legitimate advertising through how long will it take before they're so overwhelmed with the amount of requests that they're not able to check every single request and how long before um, malicious parties start using this to their advantage like malicious parties have been using advertising to their advantage that's a great point and a great question i mean you're right there's there's going to come a point where you know, a product like this, one, the user's paying for it. It's not a free thing like um, Adblock Plus. That's, you know, that's a free program. You know, Crystal, you're paying 99 cents for it. And then on top of that, the advertisers and the companies can pay to have their stuff slip through. They're not only getting money from the users, they're getting money from the advertisers as well, which I, I don't think is right, honestly. If you're going to charge the user and then still allow ads through even if they've clicked block all you're kind of lying about what you're providing there they apparently have a standard and um they're calling it an, an acceptable ads policy which stipulates that the ads can't be too disruptive or intrusive so they can be a little disruptive and a little intrusive so what happens when there's a lot of ads that are a little disruptive and a little intrusive on the same page it becomes very disruptive. Exactly. So I could see where they're trying to make a profit from this idea, but allow too many ads through and you might as well not have ad block in yeah. all reality. Yeah. After a while, if you allow enough ads through it, it's, it's pointless. And the, and the whole reason for ad, you know, having the ad blockers available is to help improve the performance of the mobile device. I know. It's to help save that the battery life. It's to help save your data. You know? I can't. I can't tell you how many times I've been on my mobile device and I've had um, ads just completely disrupt what I was doing on it. Just completely slow down what I was doing. Then I moved over to Ghostry, <laughs> and that is a great you know browser software as well. It is fantastic. But if you think about it, so let's. 
let's say that you're not running Ghostry. You're on iOS and you're running Safari and, and you don't have an ad block on there. The more ads that are showing up, the more data you're going to be using. And if you're on, let's say, Verizon or AT&T, whatever, and let's say you've got the lowest setting, you all you ever do is kind of browse online, you check email, whatever, you're going to hit that data cap a lot quicker than if you're running some kind of ad blocker. If the ad blocker isn't blocking ads, you're going to be hit with those overcharges. You're going to have to, you know, you might even have to get bumped up to the next higher data package that they have. I know there are some cybersecurity podcasts out there. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to say who they are. There are some out there who I've heard complain about ad blockers simply because uh, they have ads on their website and they are complaining about their listeners and their their website um, users blocking the ads. And they've I, I've listened to them before and they've come out and said, oh, well, you're basically stealing from us our content. You're, you're just taking the content for free. And if you actually like what we're doing, then you'll unblock the ads. So what I'm telling you uh, for our cybersecurity podcast is keep using ad blocks. And we fully support what ad blocking does because in some cases, ad blocking protects you from malicious advertising. And we like our listeners and we like our listeners being safe. So keep using not specifically the ad block program, but software that helps you block ads. Absolutely. We want our listeners and our users of our website to be protected. Yeah. We do it because we love it now. We plan on continuing to do it because we love it. So protect yourself and your network. Oh my goodness. So WinRAR, a program that I have used for years, it's vulnerable. You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people use WinRAR. Um, somewhere around 500 million? Yeah, it seems to be the numbers. So if you're using WinRAR, as much as I hate to say this, stop using WinRAR. There are alternatives to archiving software. Look at those alternatives. Because a new dangerous unpatched zero-day vulnerability has been detected in the latest version of WinRAR, and it affects all the users that have this unpatched version. There is a security researcher at Vulnerability Lab who looked into the WinRAR 5.21 for Windows computers and found a remote code execution flaw in it. What this flaw does is anybody who's creating a new SFX file can implement arbitrary code into it. When a user uncompresses this SFX file, it automatically executes the arbitrary code on the victim's machine. And this code can be used to gain system access, network access, can alter the device, and can do a lot of things to your device. It has been marked as a high severity item and scores nine on the common vulnerability scoring system, which is really bad. I know, right? That's that's something. So if you have WinRAR, as much as I hate to say this because it's such a fantastic piece of software, uninstall it. Yeah. If you continue to use it, however, if you say... Raymond and Mike, I'm not going to listen to you. I love this software too much. Don't click on any files that you receive from unknown sources. 
and use really strict authentication methods to secure your system. Those two things will help you out if you decide to still use WinRAR. Don't go randomly downloading, you know, zip and RAR files from the internet. Specifically SFX files. Yeah. If you find them in a torrent, don't download it. Because we all know torrents are notorious for hiding malware. What? Yeah. Yeah. You download a Dungeons and Dragons manual and now there's a backdoor on your network. (laughs) Is that what happened to you? Do androids dream of electric sheep? That PDF is more like do hackers dream about getting on your network? That (laughs) PDF. Yeah. One of the main things with this um, and and the reason why it's as bad as it is, is because the SFX files, they start functioning as soon as the user clicks on them. So you can't identify and verify if the, you know, the compressed executable file, which is what the SFX file is, um, is actually genuine or harmful. Uh, I'm, in my opinion, that's why it's rated so high and because of the vulnerability and then the, the way it's used and implemented here. There is a proof of concept video that was published that demonstrates how this vulnerability allows a remote hacker to execute arbitrary code on a victim's computer when opening the SFX file. So in the show notes, we will be posting that proof of concept video for everybody to to view. So again, SFX, don't download them unless you know where they're coming from. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's especially if you're still using WinRAR, which like we said, unfortunately, we, we advise to uninstall that until um, RAR Lab has actually, you know, come out with a fix for this. So cybersecurity companies are renting cyber talent to keep up with demand. They are. Yeah. So the things we've talked about this evening, the, the three past things, the malvertising, a little bit dealing with the companies allowing uh, the malware through, and especially the WinRAR vulnerability all comes back to really educating people who are developing these products. It comes back to people who are also delivering the products and people who are using the products. And there's such a shortage of the individuals who are developing these products and who who maintain them as well that cybersecurity companies are having to rent cyber talent to keep up with demand. There are literally over a million new positions in the cybersecurity realm that will open up over the next few years. There is a large lack of cybersecurity professionals, or at least there's the mindset that there is a large lack of cybersecurity professionals, or at least people who identify themselves as cyber professionals. So a lot of times in organizations, you will see people wearing multiple hats, doing multiple jobs. So you'll see an Oracle guy who's also a developer, who's also running on the Linux architecture and developing the Linux architecture for a product. And they do all these multiple jobs and they don't identify themselves as a cyber professional because they may not feel that they're really at that level or they may not just may not just want to admit that they're at that level. By the end of 2015, the number of information security professionals is estimated to increase to more than 1.6 million 
and to over 2 million by 2017 in in the Americas alone. There's a huge shortage in cyber labor. This has been identified by HR managers and companies who said that they can't find qualified people. A lot of these HR managers human resource managers for people who don't know. They invest a lot of time going to different events and conferences. So DEF CON, Show Me Con, RSA, all kinds of these different conferences, Derby Con, they happen all over the country. And it's really hard for them to find individuals who are identifying themselves as cyber professionals. Or it's hard to find the individuals who are really willing to work in these corporate environments. You know, a lot of times, no matter what the salary is, they really can't buy these people who are kind of hanging out in the fringes of the internet because a lot of these people are looking to be right in the meat and potatoes of what's going on. You know, they want to be actively defending against attacks and they want to be actively working in large corporations or, or really, really high profile targets that they want to be said to say some of them kind of want to be in the limelight you know so if you have a small organization it's really hard to get big talent regardless of how much money you're offering them and one of the most difficult positions to recruit would be the chief information security officers with the increase of data breaches the role of cisos has become one of the most wanted roles in cybersecurity. However, it's not always the easiest role to fill. Yeah, one of the things that IBM is doing and that's where the renting out is coming from, um, they're actually renting out the CISO kind of as a service, taking you know experienced people from IBM that have filled that role in different in industries um, and actually kind of placing them into the role for the company. Pretty cool to say like, hey, yeah, we've got an experienced IBM employee working, you know, as our, our CISO. Yeah, this is actually a pretty industry-wide problem. And some of it comes down to, you know, a lot of the articles we see, they say, oh, you know, they want the fame and glory. You know, money doesn't matter. But really what it comes down to is, some people just don't think they're qualified enough. You know, we work in the cybersecurity career field ourselves, and there are people who have just as much education, just as much training as myself, and just as much as you, who um, don't feel that they're up to the professional level. You know, they'll look at me and, you know, I do uh, hack the arch and we work with Cybrary to do stuff and... um you and I, we, we really reach out there to incorporate ourselves into multiple different fields. And I have people come up to me in our workspace and say that I'm on a whole nother level than them when they've had the same amount of education as myself. It seems to be a problem. And I've also run into people in other companies who say the same thing to me. And it seems to be a problem not only with um, people who, who want, you know, sort of to identify themselves as a certain elite type of person, you know, they, they want to they be the next John Draper or, you know, the next um, Steve Wozniak or whatever. But we also have these people who are really unsure of their skill level, really unsure of where to take their skill level next. And uh, that's a sad thing in the industry. We can train people as well as we want, and we can try to give them a higher understanding of what is needed by them and what's happening in the industry. 
but it really comes down to what they feel comfortable with actually uh, attempting or what they feel comfortable speaking on, you know. Absolutely. I mean, you know, like we, like you said, we've, we, we've been through the same training, we've done the same courses and, you know, we kind of have a different concentration on what that is, but the, the basics there are the same. Um, and some of the more advanced stuff is the same, but the, I mean, even for me, there are definitely times where if somebody was like, Hey, I, I, what about this role? I'd be like, well, man, I don't even know if I, I don't know if that's something that I could do. Now I'm the type of person who wants to, they're like, Hey, here's a challenge. I'm going to hit it head on. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to look into it and try and make myself better. But it's still that that kind of underlying fear of like, do I know enough to not mess this up? And I, I can definitely understand why people who are even in the industry kind of think of it as like, you know, I'm not a cyber professional. It's not, I'm just a Linux guy or I'm just a Windows guy or, you know, I only do, you know, application testing and you know, stuff like that. But really, there's a lot of people that are out there that are, you know, more than qualified to be able to fill these roles. Yeah, there's there's lots of people out there that are that are able to do this, um, have the knowledge, have the skill set and have the ability. A lot of people don't understand. Like they understand that they have the knowledge to do it, well, to do some things, but then they get scared about, am I able to take this further? They've come this far. They have the ability to go farther. Yeah. You may not know this different field, but you've come this far. You have the ability to go farther. You know, you need to overcome that little bit of uncertainty and become better. It's not a matter of whether or not you can or cannot do it. So it's really a matter of whether or not you're willing to. Absolutely. Because I wholeheartedly believe that if you're already in the industry, if you already have those basic skills and you already are able to understand the different aspects of cybersecurity, you're able to develop yourself even more. Yeah. Everybody is. I mean, it's a constantly changing, ever-evolving mesh of things that, that that is cybersecurity. And a great resource for you to be able to advance yourself there, Cybrary. Yes, Absolutely. There, yes, there are currently our advertisers. However, we've worked with them and uh, we, we've talked with, you know, the CEO of the company a whole bunch and it's a fantastic resource for you to advance your, your knowledge and education. And not only that, but we are actually developing a hacking slash cybersecurity capture the flag game for Cydef. So over the next couple of months, you're going to see that roll out. And you're going to be able to experience our storyline that we've developed and, you know, test the, the different puzzles and challenges we come up with for you. So keep an eye out for that. You know, check out Cybrary and keep an eye out for our CTF that we're developing. You know, follow us on Twitter and check out our updates that we have going on. It might sound like a shameless plug. And it is our podcast, so we can do that. But at the same time, these are things that we believe in. These are ways for you as a normal user, you as an IT professional to continue to gain that knowledge, to increase what you know, to be able to fill those roles, to feel comfortable filling those roles. Because that is something that they, you know, it's obviously something that is desperately needed. Cybersecurity is a huge issue. It's not going away. It's only going to become more and more over the next, you know, through the next foreseeable future. So taking that next step and getting into some kind of training so that you feel a little more comfortable. You know, if there's an area where you're not comfortable with, check it out. 
you know, I'm, I'm personally, I have a passion for Unix and I'm going through right now and just trying to soak up as much knowledge as I possibly can. It's not easy, but at the same time, I want to, you know, like I said before, I want to feel more comfortable in the role that I'm currently in with cybersecurity to have that knowledge out there, to be able to, you know, fill the role that I, you know, that is going to come eventually. So on those notes, we discussed fake blue screen of death and determined that, you know, you really have to understand what a normal environment looks like on your uh, operating system and what an abnormal environment looks like and understand how the phishing scams work and what they look like. We also talked about how advertisers can pay to sneak by your ad blocker. And we determined you need to use ad blockers, not necessarily ad block, the ones who are letting these ads through, but some form of ad blocking is good for you to use. We talked about unpatched WinRAR and how there's a major vulnerability in it. And we determined that you need to stop using it and move on to some other archiving software. And if you choose to still use it, don't click on anything from unknown sources that are SFX files and use strict authentication methods to secure your system. And remember, we will be posting the proof of concept video in our show notes. And then we discussed why cybersecurity companies are renting cyber talent. And from that, we determined that even if you don't feel that you are able to perform a more advanced role in cybersecurity, you should at least look into the training and try some free training, um, such as Cybrary. And if you've come this far, if you know the basics, then we wholeheartedly believe that you can go even farther and accomplish even more. We need you in our ring. We need more white hats by our sides helping defend other users because we fight for the users. It's kind of our thing. I was your host, Raymond Evans, and he was my splendiferous co-host. Not glorious? No, splendiferous. Okay, Michael Fairweather. Stay safe. Keep your network safe and have a week. Have a week.